Yeah. What do you think about that, Jose? Pretty nice, huh? Pretty good. I like it. I like that there. Appreciate our uh, church and the way we work together. Just prepare the way for the Lord. So I'm glad that you're catching the spirit of that. Um, I, I, I'm really here today for folks who care about uh, relationships. That's who I'm really here for today. Yeah. Yeah. If you care about relationships, boy, you're about to get blessed. Anybody here for anybody about relationships? That's good. That's good. That's good. Maybe as we progress along, we'll get a little bit more enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll get there, Chuck. You know, we'll get there. Uh, When some people hear relationships, they're thinking about, um, they think romantic. Uh, Majority of our relationships are so much more than romantic. We have relationships where we live, work, learn, and play. Can I get a whoop whoop? Yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I'm in the right room this morning because uh, relationships are on the brain. Relationships are on the brain. Our message today is based on the real life relationships found in 2 Samuel chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19. Yeah, well, I was right. Well, I was right. Our message today is based on the, somebody say, real life relationships. relationships. Yeah, because if you are hearing this today, and maybe some of you, uh, for the first time, you're going to be like, is this real? Or is this a soap opera? Right? For those of you who already know. So, again, these seven chapters have relational keys. They have relational keys you need to unlock some difficult, dysfunctional, and complex relationship doors this holiday season and beyond. You're going to be meeting with friends and family in every part of your life all throughout, all throughout the year, the rest of this year remaining. And so I want you armed and ready. Are you with me? Armed and ready. I learned um, a long time ago that there's a difference between people who care about their relationships and people who are fine to just exist in relationships. I'm getting some good head nods right there. Let's me know I'm in the right place. I'm preaching already, huh? <laughs> There are people who care, and the people who care take care of their relationships, okay? But people who are fine to just exist in relationships don't even realize what they're missing out on. have no idea. Now, we're not going to read all seven chapters out of 2 Samuel um, and you're welcome for that. We're not going to read all seven. It's worthwhile reading, but people like, did, was the whole message just reading those seven chapters? Of <laughs> but I do encourage you to read them to get a much fuller picture of what we're covering today. It, 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 it reads better than what I'm going to say. I'm going to get right to the point and get you what you're needing. But there's going to be a lot of things I'm going to leave out because you're going to have some questions, but I just can't answer them all in this little time. Not seven chapters worth. Um, so somebody say, read those seven chapters. Read those seven chapters. Okay, and that's why we send it in 
yesterday's email too, so that if you had a sec, you could be like, what are, what are we doing? Where are we coming from? And we'll, and we'll do that, especially when the texts are not as familiar. Um, now, with that being said, I'm going to ask you to join me for a word of prayer and stand up. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we are gathered in your presence that you would help us to better the relationships you've entrusted to our care. Lord, for our folks who uh, approach this part of the year with a sense of dread because of memories of childhood experiences or broken promises, all those things, Lord, you said that you are the healer of the brokenhearted. So release your healing even in the room before your word goes out because your heart is so great that your love was already sent out and released we're receiving healing for our hearts where we have brokenness in relationships and especially the pain of the holidays. Lord, we want your word to accomplish its full work. Somebody say full work. Full work. And so we thank you for the dismantling, the destruction of strongholds of pride that keep us from receiving the word implanted, which is able, as your word says, to save our soul. Help us to see, recognize what the Spirit is speaking to our heart in such a way that things would be removed and dealt with. To your glory, our joy, our ability to let the love of God flow afresh in new ways. This we ask and trust you for in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Our title today is also a declaration. As you find your way to your seat, say, I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Mm-hmm. Look at the person on your right and tell them, I'm overcoming. Uh-huh. Person on your left, if you got somebody on your left, tell them, I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. And if you're in the chat, make that declaration over yourself. I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. I have some struggles, some setbacks, some adversity, some things that have gone down that I didn't like, some things that would cause me to say I'm going to give up altogether. But by God's grace, by his spirit, I'm overcoming. I've had errors getting into the country, errors doing things. (laughs) I'm looking at my people. I'm looking at testimonies. But somebody say I'm overcoming. overcoming. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm overcoming. Your ears need to hear your voice say the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm overcoming. Oh, yeah. I hope that before you go to bed tonight, you say, I'm overcoming. Thank you, Lord. By your spirit, I'm overcoming. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, you say, I'm overcoming. Oh, because some of us are so real. We got real life things uh, looking at us this week. Real life decisions and choices, things that are coming up this week. And we're going to have to remind ourselves all throughout this year, but especially now, I'm overcoming. This struggle is not going to get the best of me. Somebody say, I'm overcoming. All right. Now, um, I've got an intense question to ask you based on the events found in Second Samuel 
chapters 13 through 19. Okay, it's an intense question, so I just want you to brace yourself. Um, many, of us, many of us have faced situations like this, um, and, and far worse, unfortunately. You know, bad things do happen in relationships. So, so with, with that being said, are, are, you, are you braced? Okay. What would you do, what would you do if your son raped your daughter? Right. That was a big one. And this is what we're dealing with in 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 19. What would you do? What would you, somebody say do. What would you do if your son raped your daughter? Just let it sit for a second. Maybe you're trying to get somewhere with it. Maybe you think, what would I do? What would I do if my son raped my daughter? Well, when this exact situation happened to King David, when this exact scenario happened to King David, he, he was furious. He was furious. When King David's son, Amnon, somebody say Amnon, Amnon. raped his daughter, somebody say Tamar, King David was furious. He was furious. Now, you're going to scratch your head with this. Because he was, he was so furious that he did nothing. Somebody say he did nothing. Wait a minute. Your son raped your daughter. You're furious, but you ain't do nothing? Hmm. Hmm. Relational dynamics like this are happening all across the world. Many of us could get up here right now and say, this crazy thing happened in the life of my family, and people were mad, but nobody did anything about it. This thing happened. It was traumatic. It was horrific. And we were angry. But nothing was done. You can see why we're in this passage. Because we're going to be walking into things over the course of this holiday with folks that maybe we hadn't seen in a while. Maybe folks we see all the time. And there are things that have not been addressed or properly dealt with. And I'm praying that we get the equipment that we need over the course of these next few weeks so that we can excel in love. Because if I got up and said, here, here's a microphone. Tell me about the crazy thing that happened to your family that nobody talked about. <laughs> we, we would be here all week. And that stuff, these crazy things that happen that go unaddressed, they stay apart. They traumatize us. They, 
we can't, there's certain people, when we see them, our minds just go right back to the thing that was not dealt with. King David faced this reality when his son Amnon raped his daughter Tamar. He was furious, but he did nothing. He did nothing but get furious. No punishment, no discipline, no justice. Somebody shout nothing. Nothing. Now, some of you have been around uh, your Bible long enough. Some of you have been around maybe church or things where you deal with these kind of historic texts like this, these ancient texts. You... This might not really be the story you're used to hearing about King David, which is why you might be scratching your head like, wait a minute. Is this the same King David who slew Goliath? Is, are we talking about the same dude who told the king, don't worry, king. I'm about to go take care of this uncircumcised Philistine that all of Israel seems to be concerned about. He has no covenant with God. Who is Goliath to defy the armies of Israel? King, don't worry about this. I'm going to go handle it. Are we talking about the same guy? Wait a minute. Mm, I think this is the same guy. Are we talking about the same guy who before that moment in his life was killing bears and lions for attacking sheep? Sheep get attacked, and you wrestling bears and lions. The nation gets attacked, and you going after them, fighting the army. You are an untrained soldier. David is an untrained <laughs> soldier. And he's like, don't worry, king. I'm going to go take care of Goliath. These people look at this dude like, you're not even a soldier. He's like, but I've got experience. I give God glory. He is the one who taught my hands to war, to train my hands in war when the sheep were being attacked. I know how to deal with the enemy. Oh, wait a minute. You protected those sheep. You protected the nation of Israel. But this is happening in your family? Where you at, bruh? Where you at, bro? What, what, what has gone on? David, David wasn't some passive uh, jellyback coward. Jelly, jellyback. <laughs> you like that, Brittany's a jellyback. David had backbone, conviction. And some of those things he did. Some of those things he did. So what in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? You got those events of the hero king, warrior king David. But something's happened between those events and this event where his daughter has been raped. David 
David might have avoided punishing, y'all say Amnon, for his sexual crime and sin because David had dealt with sexual sin on epic proportions too. Maybe David was dealing with shame and guilt on some real level that stopped him from confronting Amnon's horrific crime against his daughter. Because before we get to 2 Samuel 13 and 2 Samuel 12, Daniel, uh, David is having a real conversation about his, his issues. David, like his son Amnon, used deceit to have his way with Bathsheba by having her husband killed so that he could sleep with her. For those of you who don't know, that's what David had done. There was no rape in that situation, but the sexual sin and deceit, David knew very, very well. Perhaps he felt like he couldn't correct his son Amnon for raping his daughter Tamar. David might have rationalized that Amnon was following in his footsteps and he had no real ground to stand on. What's really clear is that this warrior king had lost a massive amount of his perspective on righteousness and his confidence in God. Y'all still with me? Okay. Can I introduce somebody else to this real life story? All right. So we know David's son Amnon raped his daughter Tamar. Well, David had another son named Absalom. Try that one. Absalom. Absalom. Absalom was Tamar's full brother from a different mother um, than Amnon's mother. So he got Amnon who raped Tamar. Then you have Absalom, who is the full brother to Tamar. Y'all with me? Okay. When Absalom learned what happened to his sister Tamar, he took her in to live with him. He was outraged with his father David's inaction toward his brother Amnon. And began plotting for two years to kill his brother Amnon for raping his sister Tamar. If you are trekking with me today or if you knew beforehand, Amnon used deceit to rape Tamar. Now we got Absalom plotting for two years using deceit to kill his brother. David, oh, Daddy David. Oh, Daddy David. It's real. Used deceit so that he could sleep with uh, Bathsheba. Are you trucking? Generational. There's a big old pattern here. So Absalom takes Tamar in to live with him. He's outraged with his father, David's inaction toward his brother Amnon. He begins plotting. Absalom had used deceit just like daddy did. 
to have his own brother killed because he felt like his father, the king, should have handled Tamar's rape differently. Some little facts about Absalom. Your Bible says that Absalom was really good looking. It notes this. Feels like we should know he's really good looking. I know if that scripture is telling you that he is good looking. A lot of people thought that. And God wants you to know somebody looks real good in your world, but is an Absalom type. I'm getting you ready. I'm, I'm making sure you can just deal with some of this stuff in your circles. You can call it what it is and be free of it. Some of this relational drama and dysfunction that you've dealt with for years in the different circles. Oh, it's time for it to be done. And so the scripture said he's so good looking. So there's something about Absalom's physical appearance that could make you miss how much deceit he had in his heart. Scripture says he had really long hair that he cut once a year. Uh, Absalom had strong influence with his father, David. Absalom was the type to go behind your back but smile in your face. Absalom was strategically working to undermine the position of his father, King David. He would empathize with people and hear their cases outside of the temple courts, meet their needs to show that he was a better and more worthy leader than his father. This is the type of person that says, if I were in charge, this is what I would do. <laughs> and I'm making a joke of it, but when that person really shows up, they're not obvious about any of that. Somebody say subtle. 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 Absalom was always campaigning. This is a, a, a political guy. He's a politicker. Absalom had other people do his dirty work. He had his brother killed by an army that he stole. He found a way to have the people declare him as king. His daddy's the king, and this guy is working so hard, working people, that they declared Absalom king. He was working. Absalom was working some stuff. Are you feeling it? He put his own father, King David, on the run for his life off the throne. They announced that Absalom is king, and now King David, who used to be chasing Goliaths and chasing after bears and lions, is now um, on the run out of Jerusalem, running from his own kid. Running from his own. Now that you know more about David and Absalom, let's move into some insight to arm you for some more relationship stuff. 
more relationship wins. Somebody say, get those wins. Yeah, somebody say it a little louder. Get those wins. Come on. For the moment we see David, he seems to be depressed. I think it's totally safe to say this brother is depressed. He's unable to find his voice like he once had, which might explain the suppression of his voice. What's one thing David could have done? What's one thing David could have done? I submit this for David. I submit it for us as well. If we've gone through some traumatic events where our confidence has been shattered and there's situations happening round about us, we're angry, but we're not using our voice. I submit it not just for David, but for us in our relationships this morning. And it's raise his voice for the right people to hear him. That's one thing David could have done is raise his voice for the right people to hear. And we all try that with me. Ready? Read. Raise his voice for the right people to hear him. That's one thing David could have done. Tamar needed his voice. Tamar needed his voice. Words of apology, words of comfort, validation, justice. Arms that held, eyes that cried. Statements like, what has happened to you should have never happened. And especially not by your brother, my son. I'm at fault because I fell for his trick when he asked me to send you to him. This is what actually happened. Amnon was working up such a deceit, he tricked his own daddy into sending his sister to him so that he could rape her. Wow. I had no idea that he was plotting to rape you. I'm deeply sorry. This is what I'm going to do to address the wrong. Words like that. Somebody say, raise that voice. voice. For the right people. people. To hear me. Amnon needed his voice. Are you with me? That works too. Maybe that was the spirit. Y'all say Amnon, Amnon. Needed, his needed his voice. Amnon needed his voice. Words of apology, correction, and an action plan of restoration. Son, I had sexual, uh, sexual lust problem too. I lack self-control. I abused my power to have one of my trusted soldiers killed just so I could sleep with his wife because I wanted her so bad. Son, we have to break this in our family. I understand what you've done because I have done it too. Let me tell you what the prophet Nathan told me when my sin became known. Tell him. Share what what can be shared. I should have put better boundaries in place for you since I dealt with this same issue. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for not raising my voice. I am a man after God's own heart, and I should have been teaching you to pursue God too. Let's pursue God together and rely on his mercy. Let's work together to have Tamar forgive you 
how you treated her after you raped her, disgracing her. Amnon was disgusted with her after he did that to her and literally kicked her out like trash. How you treated her after you raped her, disgracing her and lusting after her, kicking her out was horrible too. I'm going to help you right this wrong. I'm going to help you right this wrong. Let's ask for God's mercy. Somebody say Absalom needed his voice. Absalom needed his voice. voice. Acknowledgement of the wrong done. Words that acknowledge, yeah, this was wrong. An opportunity to share his grief over what was done to Tamar. Absalom, this is your sister. You're in a new kingdom because of this political alliance I've formed with marrying your mother of Geshur. You've stepped into a whole new world of different. Let's talk about this thing that is so violating for us all, but especially for you since you had such an identity or identification with your sister. Absalom loved his sister so much that when he had a daughter, he named his daughter Tamar. He loved his sister. And they're both described as being some really beautiful people. But he so loved his sister that he named his daughter after her. Words that share grief over what was done to Tamar and reassurance to Absalom that justice would be served and that Tamar would be taken care of by her father and king. The reassurance of, I'm going to be dad, you stay as son. I'm going to be dad, you stay as brother. I know you're going to want to retaliate and get revenge. But I want you to stay as my son, and I want you to stay as her brother. I'm going to be dad. I got this. You let me be the parent. You stay the child. Words like that would have really helped Absalom. Ooh-wee. Ooh-wee. David had lies to overcome. David had some lies to overcome. David might have thought, I'm real good at fighting battles, but not being a father. I could never be a good father. I didn't even have a good father. If you know David's history, this is where he came from. David might have thought, I don't have what it takes to handle this problem. I can be angry, but I have no idea of what to do. So I'll do nothing at all. This is the the, the lies. I don't have what it takes to handle the problem. David could overcome those lies with something like, I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. David could overcome those lies by saying, it can be figured out and I'm just the person that can. I'm overcoming the lie that I don't have what it takes anymore. David might have to say that to himself. I'm overcoming the lie that I don't have what it takes anymore. I'm overcoming that lie. Oh, well, when I was young, if this had happened to me when I was back when I was uh, slaying giants, 
I really would have done. But now that I'm in this situation, this thing has happened. I just don't have the strength. David, that's a lie. He's overcoming the lie that, oh, I'm too old for this. The truth is, David could say, as long as I have breath, I have hope and a fighting chance to make things better than before. I'm not disqualified because of my past failures and past mistakes. I now know what won't work. Can we show that to him on the screen? Amen on that. Wow. I'm not disqualified because of my past failures and past mistakes. I now know what won't work. David knew more than what he was giving himself credit for knowing. Now on to Absalom. Absalom seeks to take matters into his own hands. Absalom wants to be in charge. Absalom wants to call the shots. Absalom gets out of order. Absalom manipulates you. He finds out what you need and then he leverages you. That's what Absalom types too. He's the backstabber, as we mentioned. He's the one who turns children against parents, co-workers against bosses, bosses against co-workers. He's the one that makes you think he cares about you when what he really cares about is how you can help him dishonor and dispose of another positional or authority figure. Are you hearing me? Oh, you got to watch it. You got to watch it. You got to be careful of the Absalom types. It's real. They look good on the outside, but on the inside, it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. If you have Absalom types whispering in your ear, you have to break agreement with that person before you go to your ruin with them. Don't mean you don't love them. Don't mean you don't like them. It just means you don't take advice from that joker. Oh, don't, let's not go into the advice realm. You just stay right. <laughs> How are those Dodgers? <laughs> oh, I, didn't, I didn't ask you for any advice. Just keep that to yourself. Because when Absalom goes down, you're going down with him. You're going down with him. Uh, the only reason Absalom types can manipulate you is because you let them. Subtle, seductive Absalom types, huh? They work in it. We want to buy in. You're, you have the same grievance as I have. We should form something and express our grievance. Let's get rid of that guy and put me in his place. Because I want to run the show up in here. Absalom will mess up your marriage so that they can steal it. Mess up your family so that they can have it. Mess up your job so they can steal your promotion. You are, you are a stepping stone to Absalom getting the power that he wants. Absalom wants power. That's what he wants. That's his end game. 
Absalom types show up in all the relationship circles, your family, friends, co-workers. They show up where you live, work, learn, and play. Not just in, they show up everywhere. What do we learn from Absalom that will help us in our relationships? We learn a lot, but I want you to look at Colossians 3.13. From the NLT, it reads as follows. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowance for each other's faults. Oh, that's so big. People want to get a divorce over faults. Help us, Jesus. Faults? You don't want to be, oh, we're not friends anymore. What? Over faults? Faults? There's a difference between problem and tension. Why do we try to make a, wait, old school, we say, uh, you, you making a mountain out of a molehill. That's what we say in old school. You, you taking something that's, that's small and just blowing it way up. We have to watch that in our relationships. If Absalom had observed his father and made some type of allowance in his heart for the things that his father had been through and showed some kind of compassion, <laughs> we wouldn't even be having this conversation like this. We wouldn't. We need to deal with problems and we need to grow in understanding Allowance for tensions. We got to deal with problems. Problems got to be dealt with. But we have to grow in understanding and uh, allowance for things that are not life or death or right or wrong. Issues of right and left. We need allowances for. Okay, you're a morning person, I'm a night person. Example. But what he does is, oh, the way my dad handled this. The way he did, he don't even know what's going, all the things that are going on. The scripture doesn't tell us, but Absalom doesn't know. So rather than giving his dad the benefit of the doubt, rather than putting himself in his dad's shoes, rather than having a conversation, he just starts railing on the lack of leadership. He accuses his own, he accuses his own father. We don't see Absalom trying to understand his father Father's King David's position at all. We don't see him trying to forgive and let go of the resentment he has. He's too full of judgment against his father. Boy, if Absalom could, Absalom could have read Romans 2.1, take a look at it. You can see there are no excuses for any of us. If your eyes shift their focus from yourselves to others to judge how they are doing, you've already condemned yourselves. You don't realize that you are pointing your fingers at others for the exact things you do as well. Had Absalom dealt with Tamar's situation in a righteous way with his father, this would be a, a, a different trajectory for Absalom. King David loved his son. Even in Absalom's treachery, King David commanded that Absalom not be killed. He was killed anyway, though, by David's men who had disobeyed the order. But David did everything to keep the life of his son. David loved his son. 
Absalom was so full of blame that he didn't take responsibility for his very real and present character issues. I got some, I got some lines for you. I got to spit some lines at you. The more I blame, the worse it's going to get. Blame is toxic. Will y'all just grab that last three uh, words for me? Blame is toxic. Blame is toxic. Blame keeps me from improving myself. Blame keeps me from improving myself. You did he, he, she, they, it, uh, eh, mm, everybody, focus over there. And I'm missing growth. Every time I point the finger of blame at someone else, it keeps me from improving myself. Blame blocks me from becoming the person I am called to be. Blame will stop you from becoming the person God intended for you. Blame. It holds me back from learning and growing from my mistakes and even growing from the hurts that happened to me. Blame blocks growth. Whatever I need to work on in my life doesn't change when I blame. Next one, as you know, blame keeps me from improving my relationships. Blame keeps me from improving my relationships. You have some relationships right now. Maybe you've written some people off and you wrote them off, uh, not because it was a right thing, but you just blamed them so bad that you just had to cut them off because after you don't accuse somebody that much, you can't stand to be around them. I don't blame you so much for why my life is miserable and sucky. I got to cut you off now. Am I talking real? got to be careful about that. Wait a minute. Why am, I, why am I making that choice about this relationship? There are relationships right now you're on the fence on in certain areas of your life where you live, work, learn, and play. Oh, man, please ask Holy Spirit to show you about where you're blaming somebody. Because it becomes this justification for deuces. You cut somebody off, and that was your opportunity to continue in your growth to receive love and learn how to be what's called mature. You are not the center of the world. I am not the center of the world. Somebody said, that's a revelation. (laughs) I came to church today and I learned that I am not the center of the world. Somebody say, blame keeps me me from improving my relationships. relationships. All relationships have conflicts and tensions and hurts. All of them do. This is my favorite line, I think. I break through when I let go of blaming you. Yeah, that's good. Let's say that together. I break through when I let go of blaming you. If you have any relationship that's so-called important to you, If you have any relationship that's so-called important, where you live, work, learn, and play, and you're like, this relationship sucks, it's stuck, or whatever, 
Please know the breakthrough you're looking for might be in that one little statement. Might be right there. Oh, I get the breakthrough when I just stop blaming you for everything. It's not your fault that it's raining today. When that, when that spirit of accusation gets going, Chuck, that thing has a momentum to it. You just will point it. Just, Your fault that that squirrel is in that tree. I hate squirrels in that tree. Here's a question and answer I want us to do. What gets the healthy relationship award across the board in your relationship? What gets the healthy relationship award? It's how conflicts get handled, not their absence. Leave that up there for a minute, Val. Because right now the enemy's messing with some people because they're saying, it shouldn't be so hard. Why do we have so many issues and conflicts and what it shouldn't be like this and it's like you're two people you're human what planet are you on we shouldn't have any conflict what that's unrealistic and it is sets a person up in their relationships to abandon them you threw away somebody who was good, really good. Because you thought, oh, well, not everything is firing off and not everything is smooth. It's, not everything's catered to me. Oh. What gets the healthy relationship award? How conflicts get handled, not their absence. Not their absence. Oh, well, we should never fight and we should never have a disagreement and we should, what? The devil is whispering in your ear, trying to undermine your real growth. Love bears all things is what the Bible says. If you know, um, if you know an Absalom type, we already said this, but this is important. You got to say something to him like, I can't talk like this with you anymore. I'm so sorry. I've been talking about our family member, our coworker, our boss, our kid, our friend in this way. Can you please forgive me? Because that spirit is not trying to be helpful. What that attitude, spirit, motivation, whatever word you want to use, what it's trying to do is, is take you out of your right place. <laughs> Not trying to help you. It's trying to get rid of you. It's trying to replace you from your spot, from your position, your place. You have to know that that's what the motive of that voice is. And, and, and if you are an Absalom type, you're like, ooh, pastor, you are stepping on my toes. Because I always think I know what everybody ought to be doing. I always think I should be in charge. Whatever, wherever you find yourself. 
wherever you find yourself in this continuum, get to apologizing to God. You're like, oh, wait a minute, I want to stay. Um, I, I like the way one of my brothers says this. He said, I'm staying on fries. <laughs> so in a fast food kitchen, there's somebody that's on fries. There's going to be somebody else that's on drinks. And he said, and I love when he says, he said, I'm just going to stay on fries. I'm going to stay in my lane. Stop trying to get in everybody's lane. Trying to get in my hands and everything. Trying to control everything. I'm just going to stay on fries. <laughs> Dale, is that going to stick? Do you think it'll stick? <laughs> Somebody say, I'm staying on fries. Get to apologizing to God if you're an Absalom type and those you are blaming so that you can get to growing. Let them know that you're power hungry and it's something you're aware of and you're working on. You can even tell them your background and why you are that way. You can tell them about your victimhood. You can tell them about how you felt so vulnerable that the way that you show up in life is just trying to control everything you can possibly control. People, situations, everything. Because I don't trust nobody, so that's why I'm always trying to run everybody. You can tell them that if you want to. Give me the power. I'm overcoming blaming others. Say that for me. I'm overcoming blaming others. I'm overcoming blaming others. Oh, my goodness. May the Lord set a watch over your mouth, a guard over your mouth, so that when you leave here today, you're saying, did I just blame somebody? Did I just, wait, I did just blame somebody. Oh, wait a minute. So that we become aware of this destructive quality in any relationship. This destructive quality to growth. You'll say, well, did I just blame? Oh, my goodness. Lord, this is deeper than what I thought it was. Now, now okay, am I blaming traffic now or what am I going to blame? What am I going to Instead of blaming, I'm going to take responsibility Amen. for what I can take responsibility for. David's sons that we discussed today, Amnon and Absalom, point us to another of David's sons, but this is a spiritual son that your Bible speaks of, Jesus Messiah. Hallelujah. We need a break. We had to get to Jesus eye on. All this equipping, all this real talk. It's like, Lord, I'm glad you're more real than this negative stuff we're talking about. This negative but helpful stuff that helps us to see and flow in the spirit of God and to be as shrewd as serpents and as gentle as doves. So that we're winning people. Come closer to Jesus. There are 17 verses in your New Testament that describe Jesus as the son of David. 
Some of you have been around the last few weeks where we've been exploring the eight evidences that Jesus is Messiah. And this is one of them. The Messiah would have to come through the line of David. He would have to be a son of David. And this messianic title, Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Lord, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the anointed one, is used 17 times in your Bible. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh. We even see the redemption of David's genealogy through Jesus, don't we? Yeah, y'all can come on, come up. David's like, my sons, woo. But there's one coming, generations down, who would take on all the blame. Ooh, hallelujah. <laughs> he said, I'm going to take on all the blame. Ain't done nothing wrong. I'm as perfect and as innocent as innocent can be. But I'm going to take on all the blame. I'm going to take all their shame and I'm going to give them my righteousness so that they don't walk in blame and shame. They don't walk in guilt. Oh, this son of David, Jesus Messiah, that's the one we pattern our life after. Him who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Alana, he could have blamed us. But he said, no, I don't blame you. I'm coming to love you. I'm coming to take away that blame, that spirit of accusation and condemnation so that when you walk in the place, you know you're walking in me. Walk with your head up because you're walking in me. Walk in confidence because you're walking in me. I took it so that you didn't have to. Now, walk in it. Live in it. And when something comes to try to rob, steal, kill, and destroy from the life that I have given you, utterly oppose it. Destroy it. Demolish it. Don't tolerate it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. May the words you've heard today strengthen you to love better in your relationships this holiday season where you live, work, learn, and play. May you help your children, folks you are discipling, co-workers, understand this truth. You might go into work tomorrow. You might go connect with your family and be like, I'm thinking about, am I a blamer? I'm asking God to help me catch my thoughts and catch my words so that I stop myself. Stop myself from shutting down my own growth. So that I get renewed vision for what God could do where I live, work, learn, and play. If I stop blaming my job, I might get new vision for my job, my workplace. If I stop blaming, I might get new vision for my marriage. If I stop blaming, I might get new vision for my parenting. If I stop blaming, I'll get new vision for 
uh, my, this certain friendship, if I stop blaming, I'll be able to see where I need to take responsibility and how I can contribute to the well-being of my relationships. On purpose. Somebody say on purpose. On purpose. Not like, well, when I feel like it. No, on purpose. If I'm here, I'm going to make it good. If I'm here, I'm going to make it good. I let it suck. If I'm going to be here, let me do it good. Taking up space. Make it good. Pastor Jeanette, you made me laugh. We are a church that values better relationships by the power of Christ. Somebody say that by the power of Christ. I'm going to need some of y'all to get over how you feel and get on the power of Christ. I'm going to need you to get over how you feel and start operating in the spirit. No. I feel I feel. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You're honest. Good. Praise God. Now it's time to actually be spiritual. You're born again, aren't you? Let's get to it. If you're looking for more help in this area, I want you to join us on Wednesday, November 16th at 7 p.m. for a meeting that will help you understand some things about how your family of origin shaped some of the current ways that you love or not love or don't love. And what Jesus does to empower your heart to beat again. It's called How We Love and you can RSVP for it. You guys have heard me say that the quality of your life can pretty much can pretty much go to the quality of your relationships. If a person say, I got a good life, I will tell you they're talking about how wonderful their relationships are. I ain't got no money, but I got people that love me and I love them back. <laughs> the quality of your life quality of your life over this end of the year, over this holiday season is on the relationship you have with God, relationship you have with others. Y'all hear some good news for your relationships today? Okay, I think we're good. Let's stand up. Some of you are finding the courage to do your part in apologizing. Some of you are finding your courage. God is releasing it in your heart. There's some relationships or some adjustments, some tweaks that need to be made. Some of you are reflecting right now. Oh, my goodness. Am I killing my relationships through blaming? Accusing? Some of you are being set free. You're making the change. You're saying, oh, yeah, I want to live by the Spirit. So, Lord, release more of your love as we worship you. Where we worship the one who could blame us for everything but doesn't. <laughs> who says, come to me boldly. All because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. Jesus.